When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Episode number 50 now, ladies and gentlemen. We've hit the half-century mark. Trey Yannity and Marty Leap with you. Tonight, we're joined by staff writer Vincent Spallone. Vincent, thanks so much for coming on with us tonight, man. Great to have you. We're going to talk about some of your articles. We're going to talk about these past few series, some upcoming series headlines. Key Brian Hayes is hopefully returning here soon. Um, you know, some progress made there. He's swinging the bat now, at least. But before we get into that, Vincent... Let's tell us about yourself, your hometown, your background, and how you got involved with Rum Bunter. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, I'm from Hollidaysburg, PA, which is just outside of Altoona, where the AA team is. And I've been following the page for a couple years now, since like 2017, 2018, just because I love reading the articles and all that. And then I actually saw a couple months ago a tweet saying that you guys were looking for more writers. So I figured just have a shot in the dark, try and see if I could get into it. And I have, and I've just loved writing articles since. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I feel like, you know, Rumbunter is a place where, you know, we're, we're journalists, we're writing articles and stories and doing podcasts even here, you know, where we're, we're talking about the team and covering the team. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all brought together through Rumbunter because of our, you know, our fandom for the Pirates. Great to have you on board. The staff... What's your favorite part about covering the Pirates? I feel like there's, you know, so many different ways to cover the Pirates. There's so many different things to like about Pittsburgh um, and this baseball club. But what's your favorite thing, you know, as you've started to get into Rum Bunter here these last few months? One of my favorite things just been like cover, like I follow more the minors, especially now with the whole rebuild going on. And with me being a, just a couple of minutes away from the Curve Stadium, I'm waiting for May 4th to come around, be in person at the game there again just got done going to a pirates game yesterday the for the first time since 2019 and that felt amazing yeah no doubt man you and marty both now have been to uh been to a couple let's start let's start by talking about that a little bit gentlemen you guys have experienced it in real life it's uh you know it's something that that we really missed and didn't take advantage of you know enough before didn't know what we would have last year obviously no fans in pittsburgh at any point this season they're back Talk about your personal experiences so far. Marty, I think you're one and one now. You got Mitch Keller through this Saturday, so there's that. Uh, but Marty, you want to get us started here, man. What's What's been the best part of being back at the ballpark so far? 
Yeah, I'm one of one so far this season. I was there for the home opener and they lost to the Cubs and I was there again Saturday night. Um, maybe my last year or so of just basically saying it's now or never for Keller on the pod, on the website, on Twitter, whatever it might be. You know, I, he just wanted to prove me wrong with me in person, I guess, because that was probably the best I've ever seen Mitch Keller look in a major league start, which is great to see. Um, but, I mean, for me, the best part about being back, it's just great to be back. You know, I'm someone who – I've lived my entire life going to pirate games. This, mm -hmm. as we were walking on opening day and I was talking to the lady who was taking or they were doing the mobile tickets on my phone. And I told her, I said, you know, I honestly think this is the longest I've ever gone without going to a pirate game in my entire life. And it's just, you know, it's great to be back opening day. It was me, my dad, and my oldest son for the uh, second game. It was my wife and I with our oldest son again, one of his friends. So that was a lot of fun you know, going with the kids and having your kids take one of their friends and going with your dad and going with your wife and just getting the family involved. And, you know, it's just great to be back at the ballpark. You know, it was awesome just to be on the North Shore again on a game day with people around, you know, going over to Soho's, grabbing a bite to eat, having a couple of drinks, hitting up the terrace bar inside PNC Park and just hanging out and just that atmosphere and people like the, the things that, you know, you've really missed in the course of the last year, not just with baseball, but just with life in general, just the atmosphere being around people and that sort of thing. It was awesome. And it was a lot of fun. And the fact that both games were great games and the pirates won one of the two just made it even. Oh yeah. Vince, you got a crazy game yourself last night, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting a pitching dole going in. Definitely got the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Hour long first inning. I believe yeah, it was crazy. I think it was a hundred minutes for the first three innings combined. Something like that. Just crazy numbers. What was it like in the ballpark last night? Surprising, like, even though it's only 4,000 fans approximately, they said, it felt like a lot more at times. Yeah, yeah it was the same way those first two games. I think the home opener, they said it was, I think, 8,049, which I'm guessing right now is probably close, pretty close to max capacity. And Saturday night, I think, it was like five or 6,000. But whenever the, the you know, there'd be a big situation, guys on first and second, two outs or big hit, whatever it is, it felt – Excuse me, it felt like that place was packed. And I'm sure a lot of that stems from, you know, just not having this in the last year and missing it and people being super into it and, you know, just craving it as a fan. But it definitely felt like there was a lot more people at the ballpark than there has been. That's interesting. You know, I guess it's just people missed it so much. And, you know, now that they're back, they really got to, you know, give give it everything they got here. And this Pirates team, you know, it's it's going to be a struggle at times this season, but they haven't been as hard to root for as maybe people expected. I mean, this team is four and seven. You know, we sit here recording on, on Wednesday night as the Pirates are, um, you know, getting beginning to wrap up game number three up two to one. Let's hope that stays here in the top of the eighth. Um, but, you know, this team has really made steps in these first couple of weeks. It's been super fun to watch. Uh, you know, two and a half games out of first place. We played 10 games, so, you know, that is what it is. But, um, you know, there's really been some high points. Let's start with the pitching staff. Let's start with these two young starters. We've talked a whole lot about Mitch Keller and why we don't think it's going to work or why, you know, he hasn't been the guy. He looked like the guy the last time you saw him there in PNC Park, Marty. What, what was different, um, you know, in his second start against the Cubs? And kind of lead that into JT Brubaker as well. These kids are pitching really well. Um, one thing I have said a lot about Keller, my biggest criticism of Keller has been his pitches have always looked flat. That was not the case on Saturday. They had movement. His stuff was moving all over the place. The Cubs could not time it up. The Cubs were late on stuff. And that was the biggest difference. 
you know, we finally saw this plus fastball with high 90s velocity with this tail that we were supposed to see. We finally saw this curveball with a ton of bite that we heard all about in the minors. That slider he's been working on looked good. Um, for me, it was that simple. Keller's stuff didn't look flat Saturday. And when you throw 95, 96, 97 on your fastball to go with this high velocity slider and that curve he has, if your pitches are moving and your curves biting and breaking, you're going to be tough to hit. And that's what we saw Saturday night. And most, maybe most importantly was we saw him commanding fastball and throwing it for strikes also, you know, too much of Keller's career, especially last season in that first start this year against the Cubs teams weren't squaring him up and weren't getting a lot of hits, but he had no idea where the ball was going. And, you know, look at his final two starts last year. He didn't give up a hit in either start, but he walked like 15 guys combined between them or whatever it was. So if you're not throwing strikes, it doesn't matter if guys are getting hits or not, because they're still going to put a ton of guys on base. And even if you don't give up runs, you're not going to go more than three or four innings. And you're going to crush your bullpen. So it was just Saturday night with Keller. The big thing was his pitches had movement. They looked alive. They looked electric, which they have not looked a lot for him. And he had that fastball control. He could throw it for strikes, get ahead and count, and then make guys chase. Yeah. Vince, what's your take on it, man? We've, you know, kind of had mixed opinions that have started to turn negative here in these last few months. But what's your thoughts on Mitch Keller and, and his future with the Pirates? See, I liked the one thing I liked with Keller on Saturday is once he got that early lead, is you could tell he was pitching with a lot more confidence. And along with that confidence, he just had command of his pitches and just looked like the top prospect that he was highly touted to be. Yeah, no doubt, man. Mitch Keller has it. You know, he has the stuff. Um, it's just about if he can locate it, if he can bring it on a consistent basis. JT Brubaker obviously has the stuff as well and has looked dominant so far. You know, we talked about it in our group message today even. Looks like Tyler Anderson and JT Brubaker are kind of battling for, you know, team ace uh, role at this point early on in the season. What's been the key to his success so far? I mean, you know, we saw a little bit of it last year, really liked what we saw, and this year he's he's turned the corner and looked even better. Um, you know, is this a potential ace for the future Pirates? I mean, this kid's looked really good so far. Yeah, I mean, with J.P. Brewbreaker, I mean, odds are he's never going to be your true top-of-the-rotation, frontline ace starter, but the guy has got sneaky good stuff. I mean, that slider, when it's on, my goodness, you're not going to hit it. We saw that at times last year. When his slider is on, it's unhittable. And through his first two starts this year, he's really leaned on his slider. He's thrown it 30% of the time, which is more than any other pitch. So he's going to the well. He's leaning on his best pitch, and it's paying off for him. I mean, again, it's early. It's two starts. But the guy's already in the 63rd percentile of baseball and whiff rate and the 83rd percentile and chase rate. And he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year in terms of throwing strikes and limiting walks. And he did that really well last year. I think a lot of people forget that in 2018, this guy was the Pirates minor league pitcher of the year. You know, not Mitch Keller, not Cody Bolton. It, it was JT Brubaker. And if it had not been for injuries, he probably would have solidified himself in the rotation in 2019. But he had a ton of injuries that limited him, I think, to only six or seven games in the minors that year. So Brubaker's got the stuff to be a very good major league starting pitcher. Um, I know in the past I have talked about really liking Brubaker out of the bullpen, where I think he could be dominant. 
But with what he has shown you combined with what they have in the rotation, you're going to put him in the rotation until he fails. And he has not failed so far. You know, he has one bad start in his career last year. I believe it was against the White Sox where he went something like four innings, he gave up like eight runs. If you take that away, his career ERA is a starting pitcher is like 330. And again, small sample size. It's only like 11 or 12 starts. But you take that, you throw in his minor league pedigree as a former minor league pitcher of the year. You know, he's a guy that Pirates have always been high on under two different regimes, which I think speaks volumes as well. I think Brubaker very quietly can become that just solid number three, number four starter that you need you know, in two, three years when you're looking to contend again, you need that guy to bridge the middle of your rotation. I think they have that in Brubaker. Yeah, exactly. And I asked that question, you know, um, kind of to, to find that role. What do we see him as in the future? I like that a lot. I, I think he would be a perfect middle of the rotation guy. And there's so many young arms on the way that are going to really make this staff, um, you know, a force to reckon with here. A lot of youth uh, right now in Pittsburgh. Some older names as well. Trevor Cahill really struggled in his first start. We talked about it last pod. Since then, I mean, you know, he came out and looked a lot better in game one versus San Diego. Looked really good, uh, you know, in the second start. As we get into this season here, the Pirates need him to continue this to, if nothing else, become a great trade ship in July. How much did this start help him, you know, maybe gain confidence and add value back, uh, you know, to, to his trade possibilities come July? Because it really didn't look good after game number one. Vincent, you want to get us started with this one? Yeah, game one, he just didn't really, because he, if I believe he had seven earned runs against him that game, like he just was not looking good. I believe it was four strikeouts only, but in his second game against San Diego, he just looked like a whole different pitcher, honestly. Like he came out just throwing, I believe he had eight strikeouts that game, which doubles what he had his first one. And then I believe it was only one earned run. So like it was just a major improvement and definitely a step in the right direction for him. Yeah. What what's the ceiling here with Cahill this season? I mean, you know, we at this point know I think what we have. Major League Baseball knows what Trevor Cahill is, but what's the best amount of value the Pirates can get out of him as he continues here? Um, you know, starting to look a lot better. Marty, where do you, where do you think Trevor Cahill can get before the uh, trade deadline? Yeah, I think a lot of it's just going to hinge on how he pitches. You know, if we get a lot of the Trevor Cahill, like we saw uh, Monday night against San Diego, five, six innings, one or two runs, striking out a bunch of guys. Um, I think he's only walked one batter so far through his first two starts. You know, if he can throw strikes, if he can limit the damage, essentially, you know, Cahill's a proven guy. He's been around, he's pitching the postseason, he's pitching the bullpen, he's pitching the rotation. Teams value that kind of pitching in July. They value a guy who can pitch in long relief, can give you one inning out of the pen, can start, has pitched in the postseason. You know, I think if Cahill continues to pitch well, he can have some really good trade value in July. I think same goes for Tyler Anderson. You know, not to get too far off topic here, but, I mean, Anderson's looked really good through three starts. Tonight against against the very good Padres lineup, the dude was just terrific. Five and a third, only run he allowed was an inherited runner that he – put on base but didn't allow to score so I, I think the pirates in july could be sitting on some sneaky good trade value and trevor cahill and tyler anderson if they both continue to pitch well oh yeah i mean you know you love what you could get out of these guys and you love what you have in this core too i mean it's it's going to be what it is this season but you really like what you've seen so far from a lot of these guys one guy um that 
put a really nice swing on the baseball tonight. Gregory Polanco, a guy that has, you know, kind of the same aura as Mitch Keller surrounding him this season. It is a big year for Gregory Polanco. Kind of struggled to start here. It has looked better in, uh, you know, recent games here. But where do you guys think Gregory Polanco is headed? How is this outfield going to get sorted out? Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Anthony Alford, Dustin Fowler, even another name in a second here. But let's talk about Gregory Polanco first. Are we going to get the Gregory Polanco we saw at the beginning of spring training? You know, or is this year just going to kind of be another year of Gregory Polanco? Well, I mean, as the the self-proclaimed driver of the Gregory Polanco bandwagon, and I will die with this ship, I will sink with the Gregory Polanco ship. I just want to say that, yes, he has kind of started a little slow this year. He looked pretty good at the plate. You know, the, the biggest issue with Polanco last year was the fact that he struck out entirely too much. I think his strikeout rate last year was something crazy. It was like over 40%. Well, it's down under 30% this year. That's still a little high, but it's getting there. He's so far tonight, he has singled. He's hit a mammoth home run. He's walked twice in full trips to the plate. I'm not saying Polanco is going to be back to what we saw pre-injury. But I think we've seen enough to give us some confidence that, you know, he might at least be a serviceable hitter with plus power potential. And a serviceable hitter with plus power potential is more than a lot of guys can say. And if nothing else, that might net you an intriguing, you know, low floor, high end type prospect to the trade deadline. Because I, I do think that if Polanco continues to do what he's done and hit the ball decently well, and and be patient playing it down a strikeout, say we'll look to move him in July. I think they could get more for him than some people are probably gonna expect. Yeah. No, I mean I, I think that's realistic as as much as it uh you know hurts to say. And that's surprising to hear from you, Marty. It, it, you know, I feel like you would try to come up with any scenario possible to keep Gregory Polanco in Pittsburgh, but it is realistic to make a trade for him, you know, depending on how he plays here. So we see Dustin Fowler single uh into right field. I think Gregory Plunk is about to take third base, hopefully set up something here in the bottom of the eighth now for the Pirates. I mean, look at, look at uh, that just uh, tremendous base running right there by Polanco. Oh, yeah. First third and then blink <laughs> of strides, the speed, man. No, it's, um, you know, we, we have seen a, a more patient Gregory Polanco at the plate, though, in recent games, and it's it's going to be a, a, you know, progress, um, hopefully, as the season continues. Hopefully you can turn him into, into a trade ship there. What are your thoughts on Greg, Vinny? It's kind of a polarizing player. They're Gregory Polanco, kind of like Mitch Keller. People have different opinions. On the podcast, we're all pretty big fans of Gregory Polanco, but um, you know, some people some people don't dig it. How do you feel? I've wanted to root for him ever since I've watched him in Altoona, watching him come up through the majors and watch him light up the first couple years that he was up before his injuries and whatnot. But it's just lately with how he's been playing the last few years. Like uh, last year, he had a WRC plus of 41, which is just abysmal for him because that was the year that he had i have it up here uh 30 it was 37 percent was his strikeout percentage and then the year before that he was striking out 30 percent with a wrc plus under 100 still at 87 it just seems like anymore he's just going downhill and i don't know if he's going to be able to right the ship like we want him to or not yeah no i'm with you there it's um you know, that's the thing. I use a good word there. We want him to. I, that, that's the thing about Pirates fans. They really want Gregory Polanco to find success. Um, and, you know, this this is the make or break season. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, we'll see how this outfield battle goes as well here. 
you got to feel bad for Anthony Alford. This dude has, has worked really hard to get an opportunity. He got his opportunity. You know, was loosely named the starter there in center, splitting time with Dustin Fowler here early on. Uh, you know, but he's just looked abysmal, guys. He is 19 at bats. Doesn't have a hit. Doesn't have an RBI. He struck out 15 times. Um, it just it hasn't been it for Anthony so far. What do the Pirates do here? Do they, do they continue to try it out, work with them? You know, or, or is it going to have to be a tough cut um, with Mr. Alford? I mean, you got to think they're close to doing something with center field. I mean, coming into the year, we talked about it, and we were all said, you know, it makes sense with where the Pirates are right now. You have Alfred, you have Fowler, two former top 100 prospects. Give them a look. See what they can do. You know, you might catch lightning in a bottle. But the problem isn't so much for me. The problem isn't so much that they've struggled. They have both, especially Alfred, just are totally overmatched. They don't look like, again, especially – and I hate – the pile on Alfred. Alfred's been on the show. He's an awesome dude. He's one of the nicest people, coolest dudes to talk to you'll ever meet. But he just doesn't look like he belongs in the majors. And, and I do think with his struggles at the Pirates, he's out of minor league options, but I think the Pirates could DFA him and probably sneak him through waivers. So I do think we're you know probably getting close to a point where you see that happen you send him down to the alternate training site and then triple a, let him try and work through some things. And, you know, you have Brian Goodwin down there, triple a still, he's a veteran hitter. He's a slightly above average hitter for his major league career. I think we're probably pretty close to seeing Goodwin getting on this roster and replacing Alfred. I think if that happens, they probably keep Fowler around. He has shown a little bit more than Alfred has, and you could make him your fourth outfielder for now. And then when Brian Hayes comes back, maybe you do something there. But I do think we're probably pretty close to seeing Brian Goodwin replace Anthony Alford on this major league roster. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That's, uh, you know, we have an article out right now on that as well. Go check that out, guys. Um, but, you know, it's it's time, I think, as unfortunate as to say that. Anthony Alford's had his chance. Um, you know, he's got nearly 20 at-bats now, and he still doesn't have a hit. It, it's time. It's unfortunate. Hopefully he does clear waivers and the Pirates are able to figure something out there. Uh, but for as you know, as of right now, it's just not looking good. Gregory Polanco touching home plate for you here, Marty, off the trap there in right field. Pirates now up three to one. Um, yeah, the, the Padres got lucky that play. That defensive, uh, they almost really let that thing get wild in that third of second base. It. I was kind of hoping for it. I know, and, and it almost got really wild too on the trap. He was diving just one bounce, and that's a few runs there. Uh, bases loaded, still here, one out. So maybe they can add on. But, uh, you know, Eric Gonzalez doing the heavy lifting there on that play, driving in another run. Been a consistent bat off the bench. Uh, you know, some really great utility work. Another utility guy, Philip Evans. And, Marty, again, you know, you conduct a few trains. I don't know how you fit it all into your schedule, man. But this train you've been on for a while, the, the Philip Evans hype train has been a fun one to follow. This has been, you know, one of, if not the, the best hitter on the Pirates um, so far this season. He might not have consistent playing time, though. When Cabrian Hayes returns, he's a super utility guy. We've heard him called, you know, maybe the next Josh Harrison even. What do the Pirates do with Phillip Evans when Cabrian Hayes returns? This bat is just way too hot. I mean, it seems like he's hitting, uh, you know, every time he steps up. Vince, you want to get us started with this one? Yeah. See, what I love with uh, Evans is the right, this year he went in, like, not even ranked for anything like rookie ratings, all that rookie, rookie prospect lists. But then as of now, he's leading the uh, NL in rookie batting average and OP, and uh, OPS this year. Because I believe his OPS is like 1.4 or 1.14 or so. 
and his average is just shy of 400. I want to say 380 this year. He's just been just smacking the leather off the ball this season. And once Hayes comes back, I can see them moving him out to the outfield. Like as we were talking before, Polanco struggling and Alford just looking abysmal. The outfield could definitely use a shakeup. And Evans has experience playing left and right field. So they could shift Reynolds back over to center for a little bit if needed. Yeah, I like it. Marty, what do you got? Yeah, I'll, I'll be very curious to see what happens. I mean, you can't bench him, obviously. He's got to be playing. Um, Bob Walk mentioned this last night during the telecast. And, you know, the Pirates, National League Rookie of the Year, depending on how quickly Hayes gets back, might be a two-horse race between Philip Evans and Key Brian Hayes, which would be pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, he's got to be out there. I'll be real curious. Do they – play Brian Reynolds in center field just to get Evans in the lineup in left field. You know, a lot of that probably will hinge on what happens with Polanco. If Polanco is hitting well, he's going to play. I know people don't want to hear it, but if Polanco is showing any signs of life whatsoever between his contract, between his power potential, he's going to play. So you're going to need him to really fall off a cliff for Evans to wind up in right foot every day. Um, I, the easiest fix here, and this is a lot easier said than done, is just trade Adam Frazier already, and you put Philip Evans second base. But that doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, Frazier is hitting the ball extremely well. His trade value right now has got to be high, but the Pirates aren't going to make a trade just to make a trade. And like you said, Trey, I mean, we're only 12 games in, but they're what? I think they win tonight like a game and a half out in the division. You have to act like you're contenders until you're not contenders. So that's going to be a factor there as well. But they'll get Evans in there somewhere. You know, I think we'll see him a lot in the outfield. But at the same time, you know, we go back to keep Ryan Hayes. The guy still – he just swung a bat today for the first time in like two weeks. You know, so he's probably not super close to being back here. Probably looking more, you know, at least probably another week, I'd guess. So you got some time to figure this out. And, hey, it's baseball. These things tend to work themselves out. Like how often – you're looking at a team saying, oh, what are they going to do with this log jam? And next thing you know, a guy gets hurt, you know. So we'll see what happens. But if all else stays the same, my guess would be we start to see a lot of center field Brian Reynolds and left field Phillip Evans. Um, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I think Phillip Evans, Brian Reynolds, Craig Polanco left to right is would be largely because of what PNC Park is would be an atrocious defensive outfield. <laughs> but I mean, that's... <laughs> if that's what you got to do to keep your best hitter right now in the lineup, you know, you got to do what you got to do. That's, I mean, I, I like the idea a lot. That On paper, in the lineup, it looks great. It sounds brutal defensively, you know, when you put it like that. But you got to do what you got to do to make it work right now. This team would be just, I believe, two games out of first place with a win here tonight. Uh, up 5-1 to one now after they explode there in the bottom of the eighth. Just three outs away. Looking like they're going to pull that off. Um, but, you know, you talked about him there for a second, Marty. Adam Frazier. This guy confuses me. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's been over a year now. That's crazy. It's been over a year since we've been talking about when is Adam Frazier going to be traded? You know, who is he going to be traded to? Even longer than that, you know, just a year on this show. Um, but, you know, the kid's really hitting the ball well. And he's hitting to all fields like we know he uh, tends to do. He's looked awesome. His trade value continues to skyrocket. Do we 
you know, see him get traded at all. My dad seems to think he's, you know, he's going to be a pirate for a little bit here. Does he get shipped to the deadline in the offseason? What's the deal here with Adam Frazier? We've talked about it a hundred different ways, but, um, you know, the narrative continues to change on us. Yeah, I, again, with me, with Frazier, it just, it goes back. You're not expecting to contend this year at all. However, the National League Central is the worst division in baseball. Outside of that Red Series, the Pirates have actually played some really good baseball here these first couple of weeks. So you're going to act like you're a contender until you're not a contender. That's just the way baseball is going to go. Now, unless something insane happens and we get into July and the Pirates, it's you know 2011 all over again where the Pirates are hanging around, I still think we see Frazier moved. Um, I know from speaking to some sources of ours in the industry, the Atlanta Braves, before they got to Orlando RCA, made a big push to try and get Frazier before the season started, right to tell him the spring training, and it obviously didn't happen. So I know teams are still interested, but I think if you see the Pirates start to fall off, as I unfortunately fully expect to happen at some point, probably sooner rather than later, you'll see Frazier probably get moved late June, early July at the deadline, the latest. But you know, him hitting is only going to do good for the pirates though, because that's going to do nothing but raise his trade value and improve what you can get for him in July. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's only helping the more good he does, uh, you know, for the current pirates and for the future pirates, depending on what they can get back for Adam Frazier. Uh, Vinny, what are your thoughts on Adam Frazier? How do you, you know, see the pirates using him in this middle infield somewhat of a log jam here as well. Continue to try to work in Eric Gonzalez, utility guy, whatever else. What do you think the strategy is with Adam Frazier, um, you know, before they trade him, if they end up trading him? See, I just feel that he's just going to continue to be the everyday second baseman up until the point that he gets traded, which, as Marty said, I could see being the trade deadline, or all it takes is just win baseball, just one injury on a contending team, and they're going to be desperate enough to give a big package for somebody playing as hot as Frazier is. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too, Vinny. Like you said, it, it, all it takes, you know, and we kind of saw this to circle back to the Atlanta Braves in 2009. Um, they had some injuries in the outfield, got desperate, offered a lot more than Nate McLeod was worth, and Neil Huntington jumped on it. And, you know, that trade worked out pretty well for the Pirates. So you look back at everything Charlie Morton and Jeff Locke gave this team. So all it takes is that one injury and a team getting desperate for a second baseman, getting desperate for a left-handed bat, getting desperate for a utility guy to make a stupid offer for him, especially if Frazier's still hitting the cover off the ball. So that's always the next factor here as well. It's a very good point. Yeah, no, excellent point there, Vinny. Let's talk bullpen now, gentlemen. Uh, you know, bullpen that's looked really good at times. David Bednar, of course, kind of being the, the spotlight so far this season, but really everybody has looked solid. Let's talk about Luis Oviedo first. Luis Oviedo has had one bad outing now in the season, but outside of that has looked phenomenal. Has the stuff, obviously. He's very young, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old. Um, just a kid still, but had an article come out this week. Nick Caparoso couldn't be with, here, couldn't be with us here tonight, um, you know, had that one out. Talking about how Luis needs more playing time, how the Pirates need to continue to, to work with him. What's his gonna what's his role gonna be in these next few weeks, months, as we continue into the summer here? You know, such a young kid. How do they work him in? Um, well, <clears throat> like unfortunately Nick cannot join us tonight, but I will speak on behalf of him. Cause as he was writing this article following that game Monday night, he and I were texting back and forth about this. Um 
using Luis Oviedo the way they've used him is the way they should use him. 2021 is about the future. It's about building for the future. Yes, he's just a 21-year-old kid, but excuse me, there's no way to better build his value or his confidence, excuse me, than to let him go out in these situations and show him you believe in him. His stuff is nasty. I still think there's a real shot we see him wind up in the starting rotation long term. But you want him to get this experience pitching in high leverage. I know Twitter, the the, the, the radio, everything was lit on fire when, when Derek Shelton chose to go with him Monday night. And I think what a lot of people overlook is that he used him in a very similar situation against the Reds last week, and Oviedo pitched great. He came in with a tie game in the fourth or fifth inning, went two innings, struck out like four or five guys, and it was fine. He pitched really well. So he's got the stuff, and the way you're going to cultivate him best is to continue to throw him out there in situations. Don't hide him like you do with roll five guys usually. Just go out there with Oviedo, let him pitch in high leverage situations, show him you believe in him, and let him go trust his stuff. Because the dude already looks way more confident at a, at a major league level than a 21-year-old pitcher should, let alone a 20-year-old pitcher who's never pitched above high A. Don't break that confidence. Keep using him. Keep having faith in him. And I think by the end of the year, the Pirates could be setting on a real special arm in Luis Oviedo. Oh, for sure. He's got the stuff. I mean, we've seen it. Just got to continue to put the trust into him. Vince, what's been your favorite part of this bullpen so far? Lots to like, um, you know, from a lot of different dudes. What's been uh, what's been the best thing for you? For me, I just love like the confidence this bullpen has. Like, if you didn't know how young they were, you would not expect it at all. Especially with like Oviedo, I forget who it was exactly during the broadcast um, Monday night was saying about how before he gave up the home run. He like he was just staring Machado in the eyes at second base, just super confident with just like all like just all the confidence in the world. And then he just ended up throwing that one bad pitch, but and that was just his only demise that game. But like Shelton said, whenever you don't pitch for six days, you're gonna have a pitch or two here that you'll mess up on because you're not gonna be quite as sharp. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you take time off and uh, it's going to affect you. You saw that there. But I'm, I'm right with you. We talked about that really leading into with, into the season. How much confidence are they going to have? Certain guys, you know, especially the Kyle Cricks, even talking about starters. Mitch Keller was the big one. How much confidence are they going to bring to the table? We've seen all the confidence in the world from this bullpen so far. Uh, you know, looking to wrap up the Padres now at 5-1. to One, one out in the ninth. They're going to have the, uh, the matinee game tomorrow. After that, Pirates are going to travel to Milwaukee to take on the Brewers. Let's talk about this series preview a little bit here, gentlemen. They're going to face Adrian Hauser in Game 1. He's looked excellent so far early on this season. Uh, he'll, he'll take on J.D. Brubaker, looking to come back and have another great start. It'll be Trevor Cahill in Game 2. Chad Cool will take the bump there on Sunday. What excites you guys the most about this series? What are we looking forward to as the Pirates um, you know, get set for their second road stand of the year? Marty, you want to get us going here? Yeah, um, you know, it's going to be good to go on the road, see what they can do against the Milwaukee team. That you know, I don't think the Pirates, I, Milwaukee's a better team than the Pirates, there's no doubt about it. But I, I don't think the gap between the two is really all that big. Um, 
you know, Milwaukee's pitching, their starting pitching has been a little better this year so far than anticipated. And, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's a good opportunity for the Pirates to test themselves. Um, they just turned a 6-3 double play to finish it off, so they have officially beaten San Diego Padres to improve the 5-7 and seven on the year. Um, also, with the Pirates playing Milwaukee, you know, I, I got a, a good, dear, very good friend of mine who's a very good friend of the podcast, John Ostheim listens every episode. He will he will have his butt parked. He lives in, in Wisconsin, his butt parked in Miller Park all weekend. So if the Pirates get swept, you can blame him for bringing his bad mojo. But um, no, and the thing is too, Miller Park's been the house of horrors over the years. So you never know what you're going to get. But you know, I'm excited to see what Brubaker does. I'm excited to see what Keller does. You know, see what these guys can do and their bounce backs and see if they can keep rolling what they've been doing. And same with Trevor Cahill. Going to a ballpark used to be his home ballpark. Uh, ballpark he knows well. Let's see what he can do too. It's it's the team right now is playing with a lot of confidence. They're having a lot of fun, and you know this is probably going to be a rough season. So when they get in these patches like this, where they're winning four or five, maybe you turn that into seven of ten. You know, ten out of fifteen, whatever it is, enjoy them because there's probably not going to be a lot of these patches like this where they're playing good baseball, especially against a good team like San Diego enjoy it and hopefully it can continue to roll into this weekend in Milwaukee. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Vince, what you looking forward to this weekend? I'm really looking forward to see how Cole uh, bounces back in his next start because in the beginning of the game yesterday, he just looked rough, could not find the strike zone to save his life. And, but then as the game went on, once he got a lead a second time, he started being able to find the strike zone and was able to pitch like, the coal that he used to be. Yeah, no, you, you saw it. Uh, you saw him come back, and we we saw a tweet there on from the Rum Buncher account. I don't know who released it, but uh, you know, it's it's almost like Chad Cool needs an opener. Don't hate that idea. We saw it last year. Um, you know, there's a lot to look forward to this series. Pirate, I mean, the uh, Cubs and the Brewers have had some, um, you know, some fireworks fly in their series so far. It's been an intense one, so maybe that energy will carry over into the series with Pittsburgh. It's crazy to think, gentlemen, at this point last season, now 12 games in, the Pirates are already a fifth of the way through their 60-game slate. We're just getting started uh, with this one, guys. We're going to be back previewing some you know, upcoming series, recapping the Brewers series, the rest of this Padres series as well. The Pirates have clinched at least a split here with San Diego. So, you know, good signs all the way around with this young club. Um, Vince, before we get out of here, man, talk about your work coming up. Anything else you want to highlight uh, that you've got coming for Rumbunter? Uh, I plan on doing an article here soon about, like Marty was saying earlier, the two-horse race in Pittsburgh for the NL Rookie of the Year battle between Hayes and Evans coming up. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be good stuff. It's going to be a fun battle to watch. You know, hopefully Cabrian can come back here sooner than later. Um, you know, it was scary to see there on, on game number two. Really a weird injury. Didn't even expect to take this long. We saw it go from day to day. Not of the IL. He is eligible to return. Um, like Marty said, he's taking swings now. So, you know, we, we only know as much as we can find on Twitter and everything else. But as far as we know, progress is being made. Um, you know, hopefully he's back in the lineup before we know it here. That's all the time we have for this episode of Rum Buncher Radio number 50, guys. Thank you for joining us. You can find us, as always, at Omni.com slash Rum Buncher. Hit us up on social media at Rum Buncher on Twitter, wherever else you find your podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify. Hit up the website, guys, rumbunter.com. So many articles out right now. Vincent's articles, Marty's articles, Nick, the rest of the crew. You can check it out. 
Pirates are now five and seven. They have now won two in a row against the San Diego Padres. Four out of five. This team is beginning to roll. Hopefully they can keep it going. For Marty Leap, Vinny Spallone, Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yanity. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Let's go, Bucks. Have a great weekend. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.